Later on this episode. And don't ever compromise, like, who you are. Don't betray yourself because you want people to like you. Like, get comfortable with people not liking you. Mm -hmm. Because at the end of the day, the only person that you need to be worried about is if you like yourself and if you have a relationship with God. That's it. This is At The Podium with Manuela Mesqua, a podcast featuring interviews with top performers in sports, business, and entertainment to uncover the stories, lessons, and disciplines of the top 1%. Ladies and gentlemen. And now here's your host, CEO and entrepreneur, Manuela Mesqua. Welcome to another conversation at The Podium. Today, I have a very special guest. It's rare that I could say I share a home <laughs> with our guest of the day, uh, but I do. Samantha Mesqua, better known as an incredible human advocate, uh, definitely the CEO within our home, and just somebody that's for everyone, likely one of the most inclusive uh, humans I've ever been around in, in my entire life. Samantha, welcome to today's conversation where we invest time with high performers in sports business and life. Yes. Thank you. Thank you for having me today. I'm excited to be here. So when we were thinking about beginning to have some of our guests return, that you were 100% at the top of that short list. And I'm really glad that we get to have this conversation today in person together. We're going to unpack a number of things. I want to make sure, though, that we speak on what it looks like to create a culture of leadership within your household and within your family and how that translates to success outside of the home and at work in our professional careers. Secondly, I want to make sure that we speak about what it looks like to raise children to be warriors in a garden versus gardeners in a war. And lastly, I also want to be certain that we can unpack a little bit more what it looks like to manage the loneliness that's existed in your personal journey of becoming the very best version of yourself and becoming the human that you are today. I'm super excited to have these discussions with you. But before we get into it, I want to recognize Pellegrino. Pellegrino, you are raising my son, Atlas. Atlas Amesqua, 12-year-old Detroit Country Day, middle school, four-sport athlete, orders a sparkling Pellegrino every time we go out to eat. Right now, I'm paying for these, but I would welcome a free shipment of these for our future conversation. So shout out to Pellegrino. I told Atlas I would do it, and so now I did it. So let's, let, let's get started. Tell me, um, tell me a little bit about your transition from working in marketing and advertising for almost a decade after you graduated from Purdue Calumet University, shout out Northwest Indiana. Um, talk to our listeners about your transition to go from being one of the head of households, working outside of the home, providing a very meaningful income to our quality of life then as we were beginning to grow our family to then making the very significant decision to say, you know what, I'm going to become the CEO within the home and I'm going to become the best example of what it looks like to be a great human to our children, Avon Atlas. 
Yeah. So the the transition was hard. It was not an easy transition um, for for a multitude of reasons. And you know, one of the reasons why I made the choice to leave working outside of the home is I wasn't always in alignment with what I was seeing that was happening in corporate America. And I felt like it really, um, it compromised my integrity. And as I was raising um, our second child, I wasn't willing to compromise that. Give us an example of that. Great question. So um, within, within the advertising world, we have been responsible or had been responsible for creating um, statements of work for our clients. And within those details, there were uh, there was a lot of pressure to hit certain margins. And by hitting certain margins, you were manipulating or um, changing, so to speak, the hours to which you were billing your client. And I, I looked at that as being deceptive. I looked at that as not being truthful. And one of my absolute core values that I will never compromise is not telling the truth. And lying is something that I... Um, I hold myself to a very high standard, and I expect that from other people. And so what I realized is that as we were being asked to hit a 67% margin, I was compromising a core value that I had within my life, but it also was a core value that I knew I was going to instill in my children. And Mm -hmm. so I made the choice, which was one of the most empowering choices that I've ever made to walk away from a large income to say, no, this actually doesn't work any longer. And as... Um, as I was exiting uh, corporate America, I was offered the opportunity to work at um, the same company um, for half my salary for half the time. And I declined because mm-hmm. I knew in that moment that I still was compromising the integrity and, again, the core value that I hold very, very high in terms of who I am as a person. Um, but I also know at the end of the day, like things are great in theory and saying that I would work half the time for half the for half the cost was not was not really accurate because that's not how it works. Mm-hmm. So, you know, taking and applying the, you know, process, routine from what I had learned in corporate America wasn't in it was not easy to do within our home. And it wasn't easy because you know, you you are putting in very um, thankless days. Nobody's telling you thank you. There are no barometers as to if you're doing a good job. Are you doing the right? I, I want to amend her last comment, and it should be noted that I do say thank you consistently, uh, but maybe sometimes uh, not taking the most thoughtful approach in how it's delivered. Would you agree? I would agree. And let me just <laughs> let me just add on that. When I say thankless days, um, what I mean by that, because I, I want to make sure that I'm that I'm clear um, and provide clarity, that is <coughs> excuse me, the thanklessness comes from you aren't working for someone. There isn't uh, someone that says to you, sure. great job, or a client that says, Oh my gosh, like you delivered on time under budget. That doesn't exist when you work within the home. And so being able to transition um, into an environment where you just have to know that you're doing your best and you have to know like in time as your children grow that all of the nuggets, all the seeds, everything that you do in those moments, which I have to say like Parenting with Love and Logic is a book that I hold very near and dear to my heart. And it really taught me how to teach my children about choice and consequence. Mm-hmm. And it's super applicable 
in the business world. It teaches you about boundaries. And I, you know, can recall holding that book up like this, looking at my son and expressing choice and consequence at a really young age, at two and three. And I so, that. yes, and it's, you know, it's one of the most powerful books that I've read. It's an easy book. It's a reference book. It's not a, you know, small print, small font book, but it's, it's, it is one of the most powerful books that I would recommend to anyone that is starting a family um, to read because when you teach your children the foundation of choice and consequence, that will transition into their, uh, you know, their teenage years when they are forced or they are faced rather with things such as sex, drugs, and alcohol, which we know is inevitable. It's not mm -hmm. about when it happens or if it happens, it's about when it happens. Mm -hmm. And that was really the foundation as to why I started reading that book because I wanted to teach them and it was something that I was concerned about. And so there's, you know, the lessons with transitioning from corporate America into a home, they're hard. I mean, it's not an easy, it's not an easy job to do. And, you know, because I do have a lot of, I have a lot of grit. I have, um, I'm, I'm very ambitious. I brought those, those, those elements and those characteristics and those traits within the home, <clears throat> but being able to change like the dynamic and, you know, to transition that organically into a home is not an easy thing to do. Mm -hmm. And so it wasn't, it, it, it didn't happen overnight. It wasn't an event. It, it took time in how to integrate that. Yes. And, and so I, I want to jump in on that because I, one, I want to acknowledge a, a significant point that you're making, especially for our listeners who are living, you know, working within the home, working outside of the home, or, or a dual reality, right? Which many, especially many single parents uh, are facing today, right? Um, so I want to recognize that uh, it was a process for you, right? And it wasn't as if in 2007, you weren't a mother, but somehow in 2008, you woke up and you had all the answers, you know, you're referencing the book, Love and Logic. Love it. I think at one time we might have even had two copies in the house. I think you might have gifted me one with subtle hints of, uh, you better read this. And uh, so I, I vividly recall that. But I also know that there were key people who were entering your life a dozen years ago that have been equally or in a greater way uh, impactful to the type of CEO you've become within the home. Can you maybe share a little bit on those mentors, those relationships, and, and you could be as generic or as specific as you'd like? Sure. Um, so two things came to mind immediately when you said that. One is my therapist, Joan, who I've talked about. <laughs> and I knew that I would get emotional talking about her. She is um, she's one of the most important people in my life. I've been so blessed, honestly, to have a relationship with her for 11 years in like a dedicated, committed, um, every week, every Monday. Every Monday at every one. Every Monday at one. Don't book me at one on Mondays. <laughs> it's, I mean, it, it really, um, you know, in a, in a world where we we have a stigma behind mental health, it was still happening 11 years ago, and it's still happening now, where we don't make, we don't, we don't allow for those resources from a mental health perspective to be accessible. Mm -hmm. We also talk a lot of and I can say that about people who have mental health conditions. And, you know, to, to have someone as your advocate and not an advocate, but your mentor, you don't have to go through um, massive traumatic experiences to just to, to have a therapist. 
You could just be living life and needing a therapist and needing guidance and recommendations. And, and so I, I'll always pivot back to her <laughs> mm-hmm. because she's been the most um, influential, um, one, of the, one of the most important people in my life, hands down, hands down. And 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 I'm I love that you made that reference to Joan because uh, she even you know through you and through our children has made such a tremendous impact on who I am as flawed and imperfectly as as I've gone through life uh, has definitely made so many incredible influences right uh, I think about the one time we had that conversation when I was working with my boy Ben Newman one of my favorite humans on planet earth. Ben was my coach for a number of years on a formal basis. Shout out to Ben, uh, the man. And I remember us having the discussion of saying, well, if I have two coaches for me to be the best version of myself in business, hey, I need one or two coaches for me to be the best version of myself as the CEO of our family and of our home. And I think you... I want to fast forward maybe about seven, eight years to when we had this conversation, which was about four or five years ago, and you finally started saying, okay, I have books, I read at night when everybody else is asleep, I have Joan on a weekly basis and on demand, I want more, and you started exploring other options. Can you maybe take our listeners through what that discovery process and experience was like for you? And maybe reference a few of the new relationships in your life that are additions to Joan, never replacing that significant place she has in your life. So um, I would say that it was probably around seven years ago, maybe five to seven, that you and I did have that conversation. And I feel very strongly um, that if we looked at if we looked at women who work within the home as a job. And we actually um, took some of the elements that we have within business, which is resources, conferences, um, you know, seminars or coaches. And we applied that in the home because it, it really is applicable to have the duality in both environments. I think that we would see a huge difference in, um, within the home and within that person that's staying within the home, whether or not it's male or it's female. So as I've as I've continued this journey, I've I have added more people within my life that have become really amazing mentors to me, and um, sometimes mentors are with you for a season, and sometimes mm-hmm. they teach you what you need to learn, mm-hmm. and the um, you can outgrow them or you can decide that you you took those lessons and what you were learning and what you needed in that moment. And then it's time to move on to a different person. Can you unpack that with an example? No names, just an example. Yes. Um, so there's been a couple of people in my life that I have been blessed to uh, work with, to have experiences with, and um, we're all humans, right? Mm-hmm. Like, as you said, I'm imperfect, you're imperfect. Um, coaches have egos too. And although that we talk about egos, although we talk about, you know, um, doing things from a place of love, they're human. They're absolutely human. And so I can say that there's been one specific example of someone that I had worked with in the past. And, um, you know, I've been blessed with intuition, which allows for me to feel certain things. Um, I really can pick up on people's energy 
and I could pick up on and a lot of ego um, that was coming through with this particular coach. And, and, and I honored this person for the time that I had, um, but I also knew that it was time for me to move on. And, and I think, again, I go back to the word that I really, really love of duality. Like I can mm-hmm. be really grateful, but then also not be in alignment at the same time. Mm-hmm. So um, you can have multiple feelings at once. You can have mad, sad, bad, glad, and afraid. You can have all of those feelings at once. It's not black and white. You don't, you can't just say like, I'm just sad and not anything else. Like people want to pigeonhole you into, into a belief or into a feeling that actually you can have multiple. And so that's how I felt in that moment. I felt like grateful. I was really happy. Um, But I also, I don't know, I I can't say that there's another feeling, so to speak, within the, the sort of spectrum that I just gave, but I can say that it was time for me to sort of move on to, um, you know, to a new relationship or into, into sort of a different season in my life. I've also had another um, mentor that I've worked with that um, I could tell was sort of moving away from my, my alignment with God. And in that part, that's okay. It's okay to recognize that I took things from that relationship. But again, it was time for me to move into a different direction. And, and, and I'm really, really grateful that I have people in my life, like a Diana, who, mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean, I care so deeply for her. Teresa, a woman that I met um, when I was learning about somatic breath release. Mm-hmm. Amazing. Like, two amazing, like, Christian women who, um, who really talk about God and coming back to God. And, and I love that new people— God moves people out of your life to make room for new people. It's, I mean, that is part of part of His plan for all of us. Mm-hmm. And I have an amazing group of holistic doctors as well. That you know, I look to them for medicinal purposes. But you know, I also I also have found like Diane is a prime example that I went to her, you know, to speak about holistic health, and she really became a dear friend of mine. Yeah, I mean, I think it takes, um, and I appreciate those examples. I think it takes a certain level of uh, vulnerability, openness to be willing to listen to someone else's perspective so that we can learn and determine where that fits or doesn't fit in our life, right? But I also, I also think it requires like almost like a thirst for knowledge, right? When you and I first started dating 20 plus years ago, we tease about how curious you were, right? You always, I'd go, we'd come home from work to an empty home that we shared. You'd have 20 questions. I'd have the same one. How was your day? <laughs> or like when the boys ran the blue ox at the agency and I just would ask about the blue ox and like, how are, how are the guys, right? In the blue ox. Um, but it takes it takes a certain level of curiosity, whether it's just who you are or it's a forced sort of um, uh, intention and allocation of your time to say, I need to learn more. I need to empower myself. I want to pivot to something that you've consistently said about running a high-performance home, the way you run a high-performance business. And it's, it's your reference to everything matters, Starbucks Experience Chapter 2, everything matters, and the way you do one thing is the way you do many things. Absolutely. Can you can you share a little bit about why that really resonated with you at such a young age 
and how you've been able to apply that into a very busy, dynamic home and work environment as we, you know, as we serve and lead the organization we do in Michigan. So I would say that my, um, my work ethic and the, the way that I sort of balance life began at a very young age when I was 15. So, um, I started to work, uh, at Ponderosa at a, a, um, a restaurant that required me to be a server. And I left, I actually left high school half day to go work at this restaurant. And I was working, I think at that point at 15, I can't remember what the cap was on child labor laws, but I worked as much as I possibly could. And then when I turned 16, I was working six and seven days a week. So for good or bad, there are lessons in everything, right? Do I wish that things were different uh, sometimes? Sure. But I also remind myself that working at a young age and being able to balance and trying to balance um, being in high school and working. And I did the same thing when I went to college. I was working six, seven days a week. But I also, at that very young age, was taught about worth, worth ethic. I had my own car. I had my own insurance. And so that carried out through my collegiate years when I did decide to go to a college that was nearby my home. And I think part of the reason was that I was one of four. I'm the oldest of four. Mm-hmm. And... um you know, I paid for my books. Mm-hmm. I think I became accustomed to working. I mean, mm-hmm. I had responsibilities from a financial perspective. So mm-hmm. I had to pay for my car. I had to pay for my insurance. Yeah, let's be mindful. You had a significantly nicer car than I did when we met, and I was already out of college working full time. <laughs> you know, it's the it was the the tips, right? <laughs> the tips from the restaurant. Um, uh. So. You know, I go back to, I think, your original question, which is like, how did you, you know, as the leader being in leadership within business, right? Like, how are those things applicable within our home process? Like, I have a routine. I mean, that really, at the end of the day, the the process and the routine of going to bed early is really important to me. Mm-hmm. Really, really important to me. Waking up early mm-hmm. is, um, I like waking up to the sun, the circadian rhythm, just being able to, like, influence the way that I wake up. Um, you know, getting on my knees and praying every single morning. Mm-hmm. So having and a- And then re- what happens right after that? Then I go into Just my- for our listeners. Yes, yes. I'm so glad you asked me that. I go into my bathroom and I wait after I get my, I, I turn my quote, my daily quote, and I wait like this for my coffee. And I'm so excited <laughs> when you tiptoe in the bathroom with my coffee. <laughs> Barista. And that's where I wait for it. Um, but it, it, it really, it is about routine. It's about routine. Um, our children have responsibilities. They don't get paid for that. Like my philosophy has always been, I go back to parenting with love and logic. I think that's mm-hmm. where it came from. You live in this house, you eat on these dishes, you sleep in this bed, mm-hmm. you, uh, you wear these clothes, like you have responsibilities. And that's been since, I mean, I can't even tell you how old that they were. And there is no, there's no payment for that. There is no allowance. It's you live here. Like that's your responsibility. And so you know, being being in a home that has expectations, super applicable to the business mm-hmm. world. I have boundaries on that. There's consequences to not to not doing the things that you say that you're going to do. Well, and I think what what uh, what I wanted to do in kind of wrapping up at least that first bucket of um, what it looks like to run the household like a business and be the CEO of that organization. And how that has translated into 
me leaving the house every day and working outside of the home on our behalf and the benefits that that's brought, I think, the organizations that I've served as steward and team captain of, right? And so people will comment about the culture, the inclusion, the high energy, the high performance team. Everyone's, you know, everyone has a high awareness of what it looks like to be a great teammate where we've been. And I think some of those have been benefits from some of the things that have originated in our home. Would you agree with that statement? I would agree. Absolutely. I mean, Mm -hmm. culture and energy in our people are everything. Mm -hmm. Like, period. Well, there's nothing. I mean, there. yeah, we're not taken over by robots yet that are delivering uh, financial security, stability, and success yet. So our people remain our greatest asset, correct? Absolutely. And and although although you were obsessive about working at a very young age in exchange for income, uh, and you didn't have the privilege that I had of of playing a ton of sports since I was a little boy, you always create references to being a great teammate, to being a great team together in the way that we're raising Ava and Atlas. So I want to kind of pivot to that second point of you know, what it's been like to uh, work towards this vision that you and I have agreed that we want to raise our children to be warriors in a garden. Ladies and gentlemen, but assassins when it's necessary, because the world's a tough place. Can you share, let's share, maybe start off by sharing a few of the basic sort of core values or principles that you've worked really hard to instill in them as children. And for clarity, for those that don't know our family, Ava's 14, Atlas is 12, and uh, they are definitely warriors in a garden. Yes, they are. So honoring your commitment, number one, like if you say you're going to do something, then you need to execute on it. Now, there are times when you need to be agile, but if you say you're going to do something, then you must do it. Being honest is absolutely not something that I will compromise. You have to be honest. Communication is huge. And <laughs> <laughs> we, uh, we had a pretty intense conversation uh, yesterday and the day before and a text discussion this morning on the significance of consistent communication. Yes, because lack of communication w- will cause problems that never existed if yeah. you don't communicate. Communication yeah. is is um, not because it's my major, but it it really is the most important piece, I think, in any relationship. Because if you don't have communication, all you're doing is running around and mind reading. And I will tell you that mind reading is the worst thing that anyone can do. In business, in life, you have to ask questions. If you mind read, all you're doing is creating a narrative that may have not existed. Ask questions for clarity. Super applicable in the business world. And we and we just discussed that this week again, probably for the hundredth time, right? That um, I've had a tendency and others have a tendency, right, to to feel pressure, to feel stress, to feel somewhat interrogated, and we quickly become defensive because we're creating narratives in our mind that are typically inaccurate and typically through uh, working to remain calm and asking good questions, uh, it creates healthier outcomes. Yes. And we all know when you assume what happens. I mean, it's like the goal, right? It's not yes. the goal. It's, it's, we all know. What I'm trying happens. to curse less, but the, the statement is you make an. <laughs> 
out of you and me. 100%. So, 100%. Um, so the other the other core value that I that I will say is absolutely imperative within our home there are two one is sportsmanship one is sportsmanship <laughs> there is absolutely um there's nothing that I, I will not compromise sportsmanship and so uh, you and I both have instilled in even Atlas that after every game they need to say thank you to their coach and they need to say thank you to the ref hands down it's not. I don't compromise on that. And being a good player on the field is it's imperative. It really, really is. And regardless on if you agree with a call, you don't agree with a call. You are playing, you know, playing a sport, soccer, for example, where somebody's yes. playing dirty. Stay in your integrity. Just because they play dirty doesn't mean that you play dirty. You stand in 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 your truth. You stand with integrity. And sportsmanship is is it's a must. It's a must. And, and well, and when you reference saying, uh, you know, playing good or playing well or playing great, like the expectation of that yeah. is what we're expecting for them is to give their best. That was the fourth Agreed. thing. Absolutely. Right? That it's, was exactly what I was going to say. It's the expectation that if you're going to show up, then you have an obligation to give your best first for yourself, but also for your teammates. For sure. And you can't, like, I am never going to tell my children. Um, if they don't want it, then they don't want it. I'm not going to make them want something that they don't want. And, but I do expect it. Like, Hey, I spend my time in the car. I spend my money to, you know, send you to this soccer club. So there is an expectation that I put in the upfront, like, look, you have to go out and give your best, but you were the only one that can decide if you gave your best or not. I can't decide that. And, and there have been times where I've seen, you know, one or two of our children, um, mm -hmm. not give their best. And, mm -hmm. and because I know what they're capable of, I know that there are moments like everybody's going to have an off day. There's, there's going to be times where we don't get enough sleep, where we don't eat the right nutrition, where we don't have enough water. But there's also times when like we go out and we don't give our best. And um, yeah, that's, that's, that's something that I have an issue with. Let, let's stay there for a second, because I think the lesson there in that comment is that Again, Starbucks Experience Chapter 2, because we agree that everything matters, it's not to be difficult with our children or be tough on our children, but it's to make them aware and help them become more self-aware of their choices, not only of how that impacts the outcome of a team sport, but the reflection on them and who they want to be in their truth and how they want to be seen by the world not because they need validation, right? One of the unhealthiest things that I've sought out in life is validation from others. Not because they need the world's validation, but because they want their legacy and their reputation to be one of a tough, hardworking, incredible, great teammate who has high level of integrity and sportsmanship. Yes, absolutely. And, you know, at the end of the day, even Atlas are at a school that has academic rigor. I mean, Detroit Country Day, shout out. <laughs> And, um, and we, we really, I mean, we love the school. We love it. That's the truth. Um, except for the masks, except for the masks. Yeah, yes. I'm sorry. Is, it's my conversation. Yeah. So I get to you say get it. to say that I'm with yeah. you. Um, and I will say that they're, you know, with having that rigor, I tell them to do their best. If they come home and they say, I've gotten to be on this, then you got to be like, that's okay. Yes. Because again, like you were the only one that can determine that you went in there and did your best. And if you tell me, we go back to my core value of being honest. If you're being honest with me, then you did your best. And that's it. I'm not planning for your college. 
I'm not planning for you to take like six honors classes. I just want you to go in and I want you to do your best. And that's all I ask of you. So if you're honest with me and you did your best, then that's all I ask. What are your thoughts on bullies? Ah, bullies, like, and give me, give me some more like detail. Human bullies. Ah. Whether they're 10 or 50. Yeah. Awesome. Of age. Awesome question. (laughs) So, uh, experiences on on all spectrums whether or not they're 12 whether or not they're 14 whether or not they're 40 something uh they exist they absolutely exist and you know i kind of i can pivot back to one of the questions you asked me about mentors and people maybe who influenced me in my life yes bullies have influenced me yeah say more about that and use a story though love it um I have had many people in my life who teach me about who I don't want to be. Mm-hmm. And when I transitioned from working outside of the home to in the home, and even now, like it, even now, being, um, being the CEO of the home, I have people that are judging me and, and putting me down for a lot of decisions that I make. And What's an example of those? So an example would be that um, I refused to go through the metal detector at the airport and I won't go through it for my own personal reasons. And I have learned through that, that being just one of many examples that I will advocate for myself and mm-hmm. I will advocate for my family at, at all costs. If you don't like me because I'm advocating for what I know is best for me, then that's on you. And that's actually a projection on, of from you to me. And I've been bullied at the airport. I've been, sure. people yeah, have, many times. many times. Many times. And it's my right. It's my right to say, no, I'm not going through there. Yeah. Um, there have been bullies at school that I've worked with my children, specifically my son. Mm-hmm. And um, what I've learned through that process, though, is I also can't make him, um, I can't make him use his voice if he's not ready to. This is also his journey, too. So I can mm-hmm. give him, I can give him, um, experiences. I can, I can simulate experiences with him. We can go through dialogue um, to talk about what the conversation could look like. But at the end of the day, he has to learn how to stand up for himself. And so I know that that time will come when it's time, when he's yeah. ready to use his voice, because I've also had to go through that journey myself. And so when I get upset because I see that he's not using my voice, it's just a trigger. It's a trigger because I know what it feels like to have somebody say something to you um, that isn't kind. An example, a story is when I transitioned from outside of the home to working within the home. I had somebody who talked shit to me about feeding my family organic. And I can look at that time now today mm-hmm. and, and actually have compassion for that person because I've actually had mul- multiple people say things to me for feeding my family the way that I feed them. And I will tell you, that's part of the reason why my children are athletes why they are warriors because nutrition, health, supplements, emotional and mental. Yes, uh, priority. They're priorities, like yes. they're a must. Like it's the reason why I have support in my home. I don't yeah. pretend like I can do everything because I, I can't. Yeah, That's, you see those, I mean, to be clear though, you see those as investments in them living their best life yes. instead of an expense, right? Yes, absolutely, yeah. absolutely. And you know, I, I can't do what I do within the home without the support of Lisa, who's been with mm-hmm. us for three and a half years. Yes. And she really- And hopefully stays with us forever. Yes, forever and ever and ever. And, um, you know, there there are some people out there that want to pretend like they're superwoman. I'm not. Like, I literally cannot do it without Lisa. And 
you know, how many times do you think you and Lisa interact on a day? Text, oh my gosh. Voice ah, in person. Many, many, many times. <laughs> there's voice text, there's text, there's in person. Yeah. Um, you know, she's become such an invaluable part of my life, our lives. Um, and because she is willing and able, and we're able from the blessings of God with our resources to be able to pay her to help us in our home. I'm able to focus on the mental health, the emotional health, the nutrition, the sleep. Like that's what I want to be doing in my sure. home. That really truly is what sure. I want to be doing. And I can think of another example of a woman who I sort of touched on this before in another podcast that asked me how I had money because I didn't work. And mm -hmm. it it really of all the experiences in my life, it's probably it was probably the most hurtful, but the most impactful. Because what she was saying- Well, and this was a friend. Oh, this was a friend. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. And she didn't think that I should have money because she said that I didn't work. Well, I do work within the home. Mm -hmm. And that just goes to show you the ignorance that people have with women who work within the home. I'm a CEO of the home, like bottom line. If somebody wants to argue with me about it, like they're wasting their time, absolutely mm -hmm. wasting their time because I do run my house, certain elements. Now, again, going back to duality, like a business- like a business, yeah. but I also have like, so the business piece is the, is the masculine side, but I also have the feminine side as well. And I do run it like that because that's worked out well for me. I have a schedule. I have um, expectations. Again, our children, the morning, the evening, like it, it's a business in that element. Yeah, go, go into that for a second, because I want to, as we're coming towards the end of time, I want to make sure that we devote a little bit of time to the loneliness of the journey right? To this life of, of greatness and excellence that you're pursuing. But very tactically speaking, maybe speak to a couple of the simple tools or tactics that you've implemented in the home that have really helped you to run a busy, chaotic, dynamic home where we're all kind of coming and going at different times. So I was thinking about how there's boxes on the counter, with names. I was thinking about the multiple calendars in the pantry. I was thinking about the way, you know, we lean on Alex and Jill at the firm to help run the firm and the practice calendars, but still all coordinate through you and Lisa. Give us maybe a few other examples. Calendaring is huge. Like I can't emphasize that enough. Um, you know, we do have three calendars. I'm not on my computer like most people are. So I'm on my phone. So I have a calendar in the pantry. That's a whiteboard that has the current month. Then I have the next month coming up. I typically have the next year, to be honest with you. And and then I have it on my phone. So it's color-coded. And it, there, for me, I would say, like, there is no such thing as too much communication. There's no such thing as too many details. Like, give it to me and give it to me even if it's in 2023. Yes. Because that allows for me to plan out um, as far as I can. Oh. And I know it's not the way that you operate. I'm but thinking it, about how many times I've been in trouble over the calendar. Oh my gosh! Yes, easily my biggest flaw. Yes, of all the flaws, easily the calendaring. The, the calendaring. Yes, um, I would say that the uh, process routine huge. Yeah, sure. Sure. Give us yeah. a get, give our listeners a couple examples of routines that you have that have been very valuable to you, being your best self, mm -hmm. which allows you to pour into others. Yes. So the routine of what Lisa does, I mean, it's a, it's, it's very methodical. Now there are hybrid days where it doesn't quite work the way that we think that it's going to, but 
There's two days a week that there's cleaning and there's laundry. There's two days a week where it's miscellaneous. And that means that, you know, there's bookend things that are expected on those days. So having an expectation in saying here, this is, this is what we need. That's mm-hmm. one thing from a, from a tactical perspective and how I can go throughout my day, knowing that I don't have to worry about X, Y, Z, whatever sure. that might be. Um, my morning routine, it's everything. Yeah. Unpack that one. It's um, it, there. I will, as you know, I will be late to the airport. Um, <laughs> I will stretch every morning. It, it is a uh, must. I wake up. I literally get on my knees and you I You will be late to everything. Yes. If you don't. If I don't stretch. Pray, coffee, stretch. Exactly. Yes. It's those three things. Exactly. And I go outside um, it, on days like this. You were like, late today, right? I was a Here. couple of minutes behind. Yeah. Yes. Um, I didn't go outside, though. Because it was raining. But I will say that getting outside and getting 20 minutes of vitamin D is huge for me. It's huge. And um, that stretching, like that routine, it it, it starts my day. I mean, it is one of the most important things that I can do to set me up for success, hands down. Yeah. Uh, The end of the day is another, another, like my bedtime routine. Like it, that allows for the beginning of the day and the bookend of the day I have the pillow, I've got the blanket that I like, I have the things that I take so that I can sleep, mm-hmm. and we pray, mm-hmm. and we, you know, we shut off the circuit breaker for those that are curious. We don't have any energy in the house. We have no Bluetooth on. Uh, we put the the cooling down to like 65 degrees, and and I sleep, I sleep really, really well because of that. Mm-hmm. So those routines are huge within, and routines in business are huge. Like you have to set yourself up, you have to have a system in place. If you don't have a system, how are you operating at your full potential? Yes. And so that that helps us pivot into our final topic. I mean, you and I have had the conversation many times that the war is truly one in the mind. The decision first must be made to pursue greatness. And then you need to tactically unpack that, maybe reverse engineer the things that need to be done consistently, the things that need to be done differently. You've been on a pretty lonely journey pursuing that, right? I think of how many relationships we've kind of just lost over time where priorities may have been different. The vision for life may have been different, or I think sometimes you've been just misunderstood as to what's important to you and why. Maybe share a little bit about the loneliness of that journey, but specifically to how you've coped and managed with that in a graceful way to still continue your pursuit of the life you want to live. Great, great question. Um, There's a lot to it. So the path to growth is lonely, like bottom line. I mean, that, that is the truth. So as we as humans and, and individuals who are seeking greatness or seeking to evolve, there will be people along the way that will not understand why you may be on this path, um, why you may choose certain things which at the end of the day, it's none of their business. Mm -hmm. As long as you are still being kind, but when you verbalize boundaries to people, when you verbalize like in a very kind way, what it is that you expect maybe in a relationship and or you express your feelings, which for many people are really, really scary for them to look into, whether or Mm -hmm. not it's bad, sad, mad, glad, or afraid. When you say how you feel, you're actually pushing them to look internally as to their own feelings. And maybe they haven't processed those feelings and maybe they bury those feelings. And so one of the biggest lessons that I have learned, it's been the most painful. 
and I will say that again, it has been the absolute most painful, is that you, it is, it is, um, there's nothing wrong with expressing the way that you feel. But when people have to look inward to their own feelings, they may abandon you. And they might abandon you because what you've just said actually opens up something that becomes very scary for them. So if I tell you that I'm mad about something, then that would force them to think about their mad feelings. Mm-hmm. And, and like a paint can, it's the best example and analogy that I can give is that a paint can, when you open it up, most families, most people suppress their feelings. Most families, most people bury. No. Never, right? We've never talked about this. Um, so when you go in and you've got a paint uh. lid, you open it up. And guess what? Most people want to bury that. We're also taught to not talk about our feelings. That is one of the things that I've been adamant in, in, in I, I won't concede to having my children talk about the way that, about the way that they feel. Do right. Feel, we don't accept, I'm fine. No. How are you? How's your, fine. Or do you feel mad, We bad? do not accept right. that. Right. Mad, glad, bad, yeah. sad, or afraid. Which one yeah. is it? Unpack it. And guess what? You can have, you can have a multiple of feelings. So the, the path has been lonely. And because as I've gone through this journey, more specifically, I would say in the past five years, deeper than I've ever gone, I've learned so much about myself. And because I've gone inward to learn about myself, that also required me to say, hey, like when you do this, when you say blank, it makes me feel blank and it tells me blank. And that's pissed people off. That's made people mad. And Mm -hmm. they've actually abandoned Mm -hmm. my relationship because they were unwilling to have that conversation. Mm-hmm. And in that piece of my life has taught me more than anything, truthfully, like people want to talk about growth. You got to get ready to go through the fire. Like, and, and that might turn people off. But if you want to grow and you want to evolve, you have to be okay with the fact that you will be uncomfortable. Like mm-hmm. who actually grows and is comfortable and says, this is awesome. No, you're, yeah, not you're me. no, it's not awesome. And in the path will always will always be lonely but if you know that going in that you will lose people along the way as long as you're kind and saying like and and know that it's not about you when people leave a relationship because they're unwilling to talk about things that's that is that just shows like where they're at in their life and that's okay like we have to have compassion so sometimes you need to get over the anger of the person abandoning you and saying like i know why that they that that they're behaving this way Right. And and I've had really close people in my life, like close people that I don't have a relationship with them right now. And and that's okay because I'm not going to stop being who I am and I'm going to continue to be authentic in expressing the way that I feel and I'm not going to suppress the way that I feel and I mm-hmm. won't bury that. And if that means that somebody leaves the relationship with me, then that's on them. Hmm. Before we wrap up, I had uh, one curiosity. You know, you think about how much you've, well, I've had many curiosities, right? But, You're curious now? Yeah. Well, a little bit. I'm challenging myself. Um, but I was thinking about how much you've evolved over the 20 years that I've known you, right? What's the best piece of advice you'd give that 20-year-old version of yourself that could be really helpful to someone listening today who's thinking about their greatest life ever and how to make good decisions today one step at a time to pursue it so the the first thing that came to mind Mm -hmm. i always go with the with my gut is uh to really work on not being a people pleaser that is if i could go back and talk to my 20 year old self i would say you don't need external validation 
Now that's a process though. That's mm-hmm. not that's a lot easier said than done, mm-hmm. but you don't need other people to validate your existence. Mm-hmm. You don't need other people to like to actually help you know and understand your worth. Mm-hmm. Like you know what you're worth. <clears throat> you don't need that friend. You don't and, and don't ever compromise like who you are. Don't mm-hmm. betray yourself because you want people to like you. Like get comfortable with people not liking you. Mhm. Because at the end of the day, the only person that you need to be worried about is if you like yourself and if you have a relationship with God. That's it. Yeah, I mean, like, we, bottom line, we begin and end our day alone. We right? do. I mean, we, do. we really do. We begin yes. and end our day with ourselves, and so that's been a really meaningful thing that I've watched uh, you do. Something that I admire very much. Uh, as always, I love having these conversations with you. We have many like this, folks. Uh, but I enjoy having you here with us so that I can share those gifts and those treasures and those talents with our listeners. For those of you who don't know, you can find us on YouTube. You can find us on Apple, on Spotify, uh, at the Podium Podcast, on Instagram. Uh, Samantha Mesqua, a human advocate, is her Instagram handle. Look her up, follow her. I think uh, it's clear that she should probably be the podcast host uh, sometime in the near future. Honey, awesome being with you. Love you. I love you. Thank you. Thank you for the time. Thanks.